This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Good to be here with you. Today we are wrapping up our vision series. And every year we kind of kick the year off with really a question, God, what what do you want for us in this next season? And we normally title the series what we feel like God is leading us to. And you know, this year and like many years in the past, we have some bracelets that will be available out in the lobby after we're done that kind of have that on there. And they have on the inside of the bracelet the scripture that we've been anchoring this into. Next week, we're kicking off a a brand new series. I really believe it's going to be helpful for us. It's called How to Kill It. How to Kill It. Um, And it's not about uh, your your kids when they do something stupid. It's it's about how we self-sabotage the blessings of God. How we counterintuitively... Um, do things that dismantle and disrupt the blessing, especially relationships. So we're going to really lean into that for a few weeks, and, and I don't want you to miss it because I honestly believe, I believe there's going to be a lot of freedom for us as we dive into that. I believe God has a lot of freedom for you, that God is, is going to work in your lives. He's going to help us to see some ways that we have been Uh, dismantling and disrupting the blessings of God in our life. And I believe that as we do that, there's a lot of of room to grow over the next few weeks as we lean into that. Now, for the past few weeks, we've been leaning into the teaching of Jesus that comes at the end of Matthew 7. He tells this story. It's the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5 and 6 and 7 tell us the story of the Sermon on the Mount. God, this is the most... Uh, concise teaching that's recorded in Scripture from Jesus. It's, um, it's vast. It hits a lot of different topics. And then he wraps it up with this story. Look at this. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But... Anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who built a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Jesus tells us that there are some of us who build our lives on his teaching, and when we do that, we are being wise. When we build our lives on anything else, our own perceptions, our family traditions, the way that, that our friends and our family are telling us that we need to go. When we build our lives on those things, it's as if we're building a house on the sand at the beach. It's not going to last. It is going to come down crashing. And, and I think that it's important to note that a lot of times we, we kind of get this promise of better a little confused. Because following Jesus isn't a guarantee for a better life, a better life the way we think of better life, more comfortable, more money, 
bigger job, bigger house, all those sorts of things. Following Jesus isn't a guarantee for a better life, but it certainly does make us better at life. It makes us better at life. The, the gospel it kind of cultivates a new way of living, and Jesus was directing our attention to that in the Sermon on the Mount. Because if you noticed, both the house built on the rock and the house built on the sand both encountered a storm. They both encountered a storm. And one of the realities that we must be willing to let our hearts accept is that we are going to face storms. Whether you're in the middle of God's will or you're in the middle of your own trajectory, we are going to face storms. And following Jesus changes how we navigate trouble. Jesus promised we're going to face trouble. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And the truth is, is that we don't overcome because there is an absence of trouble. As a matter of fact, we're going to have trouble. And the anchor of our souls in the middle of that is Jesus. Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength. Very present help in trouble. A refuge. You know, a refuge is described as a, as a shelter that's specifically created that in the midst of trouble and, and storms, we can seek safety and shelter in the middle of it. It's solid. It lasts. It's built well. See, I think that we all know a little bit about construction. We all do. You might not be a general contractor, but you have built things. I know this for sure because you've played with Legos before. You might not have played with Legos. You might be a little bit older than that, and it's Lincoln Logs for you, okay? But we've all built things. When I was a kid, at lunch, we would take out a, a pack of, of trading cards, and we would get them out, and, and we would try to build a house. Do y'all remember this? Building a, a house of cards. And it just, man, it just takes forever just to get those two cards to stand up. It takes a long I saw a video of this this week. Watch this guy try to build a house of cards. building a house of cards, one of the things that you learned very quickly is that house was not very secure. If the ceiling fan was cut on, it was over for your house of cards. Your little brother might just walk by too fast, and just the wind from him walking by might knock it down. It feels insecure. And sometimes, if we're honest, there are parts of our lives that feel that way. Building a life Without Jesus as your foundation, it's like building a house of cards. 
It's like building, it's like building a life that's like a house of cards. As a matter of fact, I, I saw this in the message paraphrase as I was reading and studying for this message. Eugene Peterson took the original language of the New Testament and translated it into modern language. And, and he, he writes this story from Jesus beginning in verse 24 this way. Look at this. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. The Sermon on the Mount was Jesus revealing that God's will and God's plan was much deeper than we had ever realized. Because we knew things like the Ten Commandments. You know, I'm I'm not supposed to steal, and I'm not supposed to murder. And some of us would stand up and go, well, then I'm good. And Jesus goes, but but you've heard it said, don't murder someone. But but I say to you, if you've ever hated someone in your heart, you've already murdered them. You've, You've heard it said... You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you, if you've ever lusted after another, then you've already committed adultery in your heart. Jesus is taking the standard of God's word and pushing it forward. It's not just your behavior. It's your heart. It's your heart. He's saying these these are not just words to, to add to your... These are foundational words. Foundational words. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who builds his house on the solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, and a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But look at this. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When the storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. Some of you can identify with that feeling. There are parts of your lives that you've tried to build up and you you try to build up and you, you try to build up and it just keeps falling and it just keeps falling and it just keeps falling. It feels like a house of cards. And Jesus said, in many ways, what he's trying to drive us to in this moment is, is an understanding of what it takes to build a life. And to do that, he told us a story that dealt with storms and foundations. Because, if you're taking notes, this is the first thing. Storms are a defining part of our lives. They are. As a matter of fact, storms are often the things that God uses to transform our lives. Oh, we don't want them because what we want is to be comfortable. We want to to have that feel-good experience. And not saying that God doesn't want that, but God uses the storms in our lives to compel our story forward. There are moments where maybe you make a bad financial decision. Maybe there's relational trauma that happens in a relationship and it's lost and broken. Maybe you've suffered from an addiction. Those are moments, moments where 
there are storms that roll into our lives. And a lot of times we think that the storm is what will define us, but that is not what defines our story. Our story is not defined by the storm. It is defined by how we react to the storm. If you made a bad financial decision, your story will not be defined by the bad financial decision. It will be defined by how you respond to it. If you lost a relationship, it will not be, your story will not be defined by that loss. It will be defined by how you respond to that loss. Because storms reveal our foundation. They reveal our foundation. Isn't that what Jesus showed us? That the storm rolled in. Both houses are impacted. One comes crashing down. One stands. It shows where the foundation is. It proves something to us. It stands with, with purpose. Because storms prove what needs to get better. They show us where our lives are found lacking. Where the foundation of our life is not built to a point that it can support that. They prove what needs to get better. I believe that in the last season of our lives, God has allowed us to experience some storms. And he has done so out of his grace and his love for us to prove to us that there are things in our lives that need to get better. This is true for all of us personally and it's true for us as a church. We planted Vortex a little over eight years ago, September the 9th, 2012. And there were a lot of guys who I'm friends with who came through and planted churches along the same time. And to be honest with you, some of you have been around through a lot of that journey. It's been amazing. It's been amazing. I, I have friends who, uh, it was very hard. There's a, a, lot, a lot of heartbreak and a lot of hard work and a lot of people who, who kind of turned their backs. And that really wasn't our story. I mean, it's been very healthy. God has been very much a part of this. A lot of people have come to know Jesus. A lot of families have been touched. God's been doing something in our church since we launched. And if you went back a year to January and February of last year, you know, we're, we were only meeting at, at Eastgate. And, you know, the movie theater, the way that we had specced it out, our, our capacity for one Sunday morning was around 400. Okay, that's, a, that's the, the max amount of people that we could squeeze in. And, and we literally, over the first six weeks of 2020, averaged over 400. In, in a church, it's rare to average above 80% of your capacity. So to be operating above capacity was absolutely ridiculous. God was certainly up to something. 
And it felt like things were just getting bigger and we were prepping this location and getting ready to launch our, our first second campus, right? This kind of idea of being in two locations at once. And then at the end of February, we, we, we got the news that the, the coronavirus was no longer contained. It was spreading. And just literally from the first Sunday in March to March 8th, we lost 20% in attendance in one Sunday. And then by governor's orders, the very next weekend, we converted completely to online. For us, at, at that moment, everything happened on Sunday morning. We didn't have a building. We didn't have a place. So relationships, we, we saw each other. We hugged each other. We caught up with each other on Sunday morning. Our jobs were aligned to Sunday morning. And we had to scramble and try to figure it out. And the first few weeks, we were stressed because when you're in a portal environment, you don't own any of the infrastructure. We're using internet that we didn't own, trying to stream a service to people just to kind of be out, there, not knowing if it would even work. And, and it did, and we were able to get in front of literally hundreds of you to share church online. And all the arguments that we'd had about can church exist through video kind of went away. For a few weeks, we didn't meet again for 22 weeks. In those 22 weeks, every person on our staff's job changed. We decided that it was too risky to, to trust the infrastructure of the Internet that we didn't own, and so we, we, we would come here while we were still building and dust off the, the, the sawdust and create an environment in here to record and and we would do that in midweek so that we could prep a video to be able to share on the weekend. And, and it just changed all the rhythms. And there were so many new skill sets that we had to learn and so many jobs that had to be moved. And literally in the beginning, from mid-March to mid-April, many of us worked every single day. Every single day. Just trying to make sure this, this thing that, that we knew God had begun was going to continue. To make sure that families were cared for. But like many of you would identify with, within a few weeks, we were tired of screens. And the families that had been plugging in, we didn't see anymore. Before long, it was... Friends that I would send text messages to who had, we'd had life-giving relationships, people that we were pouring life into who no longer were returning those text messages or the calls. And relationships began to distance. And we felt people pulling away and the, the numbers and engagement all began to reflect that. It was a challenging year to lead a church because not only were we navigating a pandemic, but here we were trying to figure out how to open our first permanent location. We were trying to navigate what that looked like for our team. We were, we were trying, for me, trying to navigate the cultural upheaval. What do we say about the, the racial turmoil that kind of hit our nation? What, what do we say about the politically divisive climate that we're in? It was certainly not an easy time. To lead a church and to pastor people. And for, for my family, Vortex is a lot like another child. I mean, we, we literally went broke 
to start this church. And it felt like at times I was watching someone that I love slowly die. Every one of us in this past season experienced loss. Maybe maybe it was big for you. Maybe it was a financial loss. Maybe it was relational. Maybe it's just the loss that we all experience, the loss of our normal. We all experience loss. You know, loss can come suddenly. It can come gradually. It's kind of like a tornado in a hurricane. A tornado can set down and explode a house in just a moment. But if you give it time, a hurricane over just the course of a few days with relentless rain and relentless winds can erode the foundation of a home to the point that it crashes. But I've come to know something about the storms that we face. God will use our storms to lead us to something better. God will use our storms to lead us to something better. Throughout this season, I've been reminded by this context of a teaching that Jesus gives in John chapter 15. And I believe it speaks to exactly where we are and perhaps exactly where you are. John 15, beginning in verse 1, Jesus says this, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. He prunes the branches that do produce fruit so that they will produce even more. When I was a kid, we, we lived in a neighborhood and we had a backyard and we had a few trees that were in our backyard. One of them was kind of right in the middle of the backyard. It, it was second base when we played wiffle ball. It was the tree, part of one of the trees that I learned to chip and to putt towards in the backyard. It was the tree that I would stand next to when I, when I played catch with my mom and dad. And it was not very big when we moved into the house, but by the time I was maybe a young teenager, it had grown quite a bit and it was pretty big. Now my dad has a degree in forestry. He sees trees differently than we do. We can walk through the the, the woods, and my dad will say, that's that tree, and that's that tree, and that tree right there, is, it's got a disease, and that tree right there, it's going to fall before too long. My dad sees this stuff. As a matter of fact, my dad loves the trees on his property so much. I, I actually deer hunt at my mom and dad's place, and uh, if I go to cut a sight line, my dad will be there white. He, he'll watch me cut down the trees and the limbs, and it's as if you can see his heart breaking with every tree that I cut down. He just hurts over it. He loves trees. So I was totally surprised when I came home one day from school and my dad had been there with a chainsaw. And I walked into the backyard and there was nothing on that tree. It was just a big, huge stick coming out of the ground. 
That was it. All the limbs were cut off. The top was cut off. Everything. It would just look like a big, huge stick. And I ran inside, Dad, what are you doing? Why did you ruin our tree? He said, son, be patient. I can see something you can't. Before too long, there were these little buds that started to grow out of the tree. That spring, it was a big, huge stick that was covered in leaves. Over the next few years, those branches grew out, and it looked even better than it did when it started. See, my dad knew that the canopy of that tree had outgrown its root system. And because it was so big, if the right storm came through, it would blow the tree over on our house. And so my dad, being the wise one, trimmed the tree. He pruned it back. See, when you're the gardener, It makes sense. You see what's happening when you prune. But when you're the tree, it feels awfully confusing. It feels awfully broken. But I've come to know this, that when God takes something away, he's always making room for something better. What did Jesus say? He said, He will prune the branches that bear fruit. Why? So that they will bear even more. God is making room for something that's better. So I want you to hear this. For you, for me, for us as a church, it it is time to get better. And I'm going to talk about some things that really kind of exist for us as a church. But but I want you to see this, not just for us as a church, but, but for yourself. Because this is a tension that we, we all live in this. If you're taking notes, here's the first thing. Our guide, one of our guiding questions has always been, what do we need to do to get bigger? And as a church, there's nothing wrong with bigger. Because bigger is, is more people, more lives that have been changed, more people that have given their lives to Jesus, more families that have found a home, more kids that are in environments where they're, they're finding Jesus and being encouraged to grow a relationship with him. More, more is not necessarily bad. And I know that there's some of us, because we live in a small town, We've heard this before. I don't want to go to that church that's too big. And I don't understand really what's being said when a church is too big. Are we supposed to turn away people who want to give their lives to Jesus? Are we supposed to say, hey, you know know what? We've kind of reached our ceiling. We don't want to be any bigger. It doesn't make sense. Bigger's not necessarily bad. Number two, bigger isn't always bad, but bigger isn't always better. Have you ever noticed that bigger is almost always our first answer? I don't have enough room in this garage for all our stuff. We need a bigger garage. We don't have enough room in this pantry. I have a small pantry. Next time we buy a house, I need a bigger pantry. I need a bigger closet. I need a 
bigger, whatever that is. And have you ever noticed that if you give yourself just a little bit of time, your stuff will expand to the amount of storage space that you thought you needed? And all of a sudden, you'll start thinking, I need bigger. Because the problem isn't bigger. Bigger isn't always bad, but bigger isn't always better. Sometimes we want that, that bigger house. We want that bigger promotion. We, we want that bigger bank account. But, but it's not always those things that lead to better. Because the problem with, with bigger is that when you grow bigger than your foundation, you'll crash. All of us have a capacity. You have a capacity in what you can withstand professionally. Your leadership has a capacity financially. Your integrity has a capacity. Do you understand what we, when we go into a building and we're, we're inspecting it, one of the, the terms that we use to describe the, the capacity of that building is its integrity? What can it withstand? What is the, the weight that that structure can stand underneath? And oftentimes we'll pray to God, God, let me experience your glory. The word glory in the original text means, means weight. And sometimes we're asking God to put something on us that our integrity cannot hold. Because integrity always starts with a foundation. It always starts with a foundation. And when we build bigger than our foundation, we are always setting ourselves up for a crash. Unfortunately, sometimes the only answer we've ever heard is get bigger. But I want to give you a new guiding question. This is a, a guiding question that we're starting to ask and we're starting to unveil the, the power of this question. And it's this, how can we get better? How can we get better? How can we get better? Maybe that's what this year needs to be about for you. Hey, I've struggled with this. It's always felt like a house of cards, like it's falling. This area of my life, it's just felt difficult. Maybe this past year, this is something that I walked through. And the question doesn't need to be, what can I do to get that bigger? The question needs to be, what can I do to get better? So we're going to ask that question, and we're going to, we're going to lead with questions, not promises. We're going to, we're going to start by, by asking questions because in reality, in the last year, there's a lot that's changed. There's a lot about this last year that has shifted. Right now, we had today almost 40 households online for church. Multiple platforms. We didn't have that a year ago. And in some regards, I'm not even sure we know the questions to ask about how do we create engagement, cultivate community, deliver. The, I don't even know if we have that. And, and, and it, some of you might be thinking, well, it's just going to be a few months and it'll all be back to normal. But I think it's presumptuous to think that this environment is either temporary or permanent. So we're going to ask some questions about 
What will it take to cultivate better? Here's some questions we're going to be asking. How can we get better at cultivating connection and community? We want to make sure that whether you're walking in here face-to-face or you're connecting online, that you have a church that, that you feel connected to, that there's a, a, a sense of we're, we're doing this together. We believe in each other. We care for each other, which leads to the next question. How can we get better at caring for people? How can we get better at caring for people? How do we keep people from being in the margins? I mean, sure, there are people that we all know as staff, but how, how do we care for the people that are kind of outside of our arm's reach? And how can we get better at delivering creative content that instigates the laugh, inspires you to learn, or invites you to learn, inspires you to love? It's important. It's important. Whenever you go through the season of a storm, and God shows you a weakness in your foundation. It is important to make sure that you wholesale into getting better. Because it's important for us. Because I want you to hear what I'm about to say. We are eventually going to get bigger. We are. Right now, we don't even see how big we are. Because of the climate that we're in. Because of the newness and the technology. We are going to get bigger. And if we don't invest in getting better, then what will happen is we'll walk into the next season of our lives together carrying the same vulnerabilities. And experience the same hardships. I just want to speak this again. You've heard me say this if you've been around, but I I just feel like it needs to be said. Vortex Church will be a church that meets in multiple locations throughout central North Carolina. This is our calling. This is what we're here to do. To get close to lost and broken communities. The towns that we feel like God has called us to go to would Initially, it's going to look like Troy and and Norwood and and Bisco and Mount Gilead. And some of you are going, why would you go to those places? Because a few years ago, God gave us a burden to move back to Stanley County and plant a life-giving church in Albemarle in a place that many people questioned, why would you go to that place? But we knew in our hearts that the people here needed hope. And we were willing to risk everything to give birth to a modern, life-giving church that invited people to come to know Jesus. And we believe those communities need the exact same thing. So far, since we launched, 1,158 people have given their lives to Jesus at Vortex Church. In a little over eight years. It's hard to put that in context when we live in a city of 16,000 people. God has been 
producing and cultivating fruit. And we are going through a season when it looks very different. We're experiencing the tension of a pruning. But God is producing within us something that will vastly outweigh this uncomfortable season that we're in right now. I want you to be a part of that. In your seat today is this card. If you're not serving right now and you're a part of our church and consistently attend, I want to encourage you to get involved. Every time I give an invitation and a hand goes up, the team that is serving that day has a part in that hand. It's an eternal investment that they're making on a Sunday morning. And the reward is high. If we believe the words of Jesus in Acts where he said, it is, there's a greater blessing when we give than when we receive, I can assure you that when you walk out of here on a Sunday after you've served, that you will be more blessed than when you just came and sat and received. And we want that for you. We can't do this alone. We've known that since the, the beginning. If you, if you feel God leading you to do that, fill this out and drop this in the offering in just a little bit. So think about that. Bigger. Better. Bigger. Better. We can try to build a big life, one that is impressive, but if we don't have the foundation to support it, all it's going to lead to is a crash. That's it. Bigger without the right foundation is going to lead to a crash. And there is only one right foundation. And that's Jesus. If you've been trying to build a life on your preferences, what your friends have encouraged, working out of hurt. If you've been trying to build to the bigger that our culture screams is good, a bigger house, a bigger bank account, all of that is going to lead to a crash if your foundation is not Jesus. And I don't want that for you. Can we pray together? God, help us. Help us today to Surrender our lives to you. To realize that there is so much that we are tempted to build our lives upon. And to, in humility, God, lay our lives down to you. God, for those of us that are in the room right now, where we felt like our, our lives feel a little bit like a house of cards. Help us to take a step back and realize that that's because we have not built that portion of our life on you. Those parts that always seem like they're crashing down and crashing down and crashing down, help us to see, God, 
that right now, this moment is an invitation for us to lay it down, surrender it to you, confess that we've tried to build our lives on something other than you, and to receive the gift of your mercy and grace. Help us to address the foundation to get better. With every head bowed, all of our eyes closed, nobody's getting up or moving around right now. Is that you? Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? There's a a part of your life and you feel like it's a little bit like a house of cards. It always feels like it's crashing. It always feels like it's falling down. And you just feel scared that one day you're going to lose it. One day it's going to wash away. One day it's not going to be there. And right now, just the, the awareness is that, that it's all about the foundation. It's not about the storm. It's your life built on the right foundation. And maybe right now is a moment for you to confess to God, God, I have tried to build my life or a portion of my life or a section of my life. I have tried to build it on the wrong foundation. God, forgive me. Help me to make the right decision. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you, if that's you, just to raise your hand. I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, all you have to do is response and just kind of make this decision, say, inside your heart, God, I'm I'm going to surrender that to you. But just as an outward sign of responding to God, just making it a little bit more real, we're going to raise our hands. So I'm going to count to three. I'm going to count one, two, three. And when I get to three, if that's you, and this is the moment that you're going to surrender that area of your life. Just give it to God. Lay it down at His feet. Say, Jesus, we're releasing this. I'm releasing this dream. I'm releasing this relationship. I'm releasing this desire. I'm putting it all down at your feet, and I'm going to trust you with it. If that's you, raise your hand. Here we go. I'm going to count to three, then it's your turn. One. Two, three, raise your hand if that's you, right now, raise your hand if that's you, raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand, keep them up, keep them up, keep them up, raise your hand, raise your hand, God, for the the hands that are raised across the room right now, God, we just... We just come before you. We confess that there are portions of our lives that we've tried to build on things that are not foundational, God. Help us to see it as, as, as what it is. It's foolishness. And help us to confess it as sin. To turn to you. To receive your grace, your mercy. And to step into new life as we repair the foundation. God, help us to do it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.